When Texas billionaire Ross Perot ran for president in 1992, he chose Vice Admiral James Stockdale, a highly decorated Navy pilot, as his running mate. Though he enjoyed a distinguished military career, Admiral Stockdale was unknown and untested in the political arena. For that reason, he appeared uneasy in the first vice presidential debate. Who am I and why am I here, he blurted out awkwardly. Everything seemed to fall apart for the Admiral after that. Later, he explained that his questions reflected his core conviction about him being a philosopher. Jesus was neither a philosopher nor a politician. But the great I am certainly knew who he was and why he was here. Do you? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. the most important question you'll ever ask. Who am I and why am I here? Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for making us part of your day. Coming up next, Ron takes us to Exodus chapter three to remind us that deciding who we'll be in this life is far less important than knowing where we'll be in the next. Visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to hear Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Let's join Ron for part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Power of I Am. Here's one of many places, many places where Jesus claimed to be God. He couldn't have done it in a stronger way than to say, I am who I am. Before Abraham was, ego I me. And it's why the Jews reacted so strongly to what this guy was saying. They knew he was equating himself with the great I am. And so one of the things we can say before we get to the seven exact reasons Jesus is still the one and only one of the reasons we can say He is the one and only is because He is the eternally self-existent one. He's the great I Am. When you make a claim like this, you're either a little bit loony and you need to be checked into the funny farm, or you're a liar and the greatest con artist that ever lived, or you're exactly who you say you are, and we need to pay attention to Him. And of course, I'm in the third category there. I believe Jesus is exactly who He said He was, the great I Am. He is the eternally self-existent one. But He's much more than that as the great I Am. He's also powerful. Get this, powerful beyond measure. Turn with me now to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And now I want to fast forward in Jesus' life and ministry to um, the night before He was crucified. He's with His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we get the sense in Scripture that he, he went there often during his ministry to have some quiet time and just get alone with his disciples. Uh, you remember he invited his prayer partners, Peter, James, and John, a little bit deeper into the garden to pray with him, but you know, they fell asleep. Jesus prayed. They fell asleep. He woke them up. They fell asleep again while Jesus was praying. And all the prayer time has passed, and, and now in John's language, the hour has come. And Jesus grabs His disciples, and He comes out to a portion of the garden there, and that's, that's when a battalion of Roman soldiers show up. 
Some scholars believe as many as 600 Roman soldiers showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus was crucified, led by none other than Judas, and they were there to arrest Jesus. Let's pick it up in John 18 and verse 4. The Bible says, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, here it is, Ego I me, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there. Now listen to this. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Friends, that's power beyond measure. All Jesus had to do was speak his name, and 600 Roman soldiers fall back like bowling pins. He didn't have to call on an army. He didn't pull out any weapons. He just said, I am he. And that name echoed through the hallways of eternity so powerfully that it blew these guys back to the ground. He's still the one and only because he's powerful beyond measure. He's the one who speaks the worlds into existence at the moment of creation, all the way back in Genesis, the Bible tells us. He says, let there be light, and there's light. Calls into being that which does not exist and starts the whole creation thing. And his name is powerful. I was thinking about some of the ways power is expressed and utilized and all of that in our culture today. Some people have physical power. They're big people. You ever been around a college or a high school or even NFL football team? Oh, my. They're just big, massive people. They have physical power. You match that with, you know, uh, the personal power that comes with an engaging personality. And wow, you know, some people have physical and, and personal power. They walk into a room and they just suck all the oxygen out of the air. And they're, they're just big people and they're just, they're just powerful. Uh, I think of our United States military when they go into battle, into war. Uh, no military exudes more power than the United States military. And even the U.S. military has at its fingertips nuclear power, should the commander-in-chief choose to use that. And let's pray that he never does. Catherine and I and the kids, we, we spent a lot of time in Houston, Texas years ago. and, and um, we love Houston, and if you travel south on I-45, just south of the city toward Galveston, uh, you can stop off and uh, get some sense of, of rocket, rocket power, rocket power, because the Johnson Space Center is there, NASA, and it's great to take a tour. You drive on to the, uh, the campus of the Johnson Space Center, and there's this giant rocket, I think it's from the Gemini series, just laid out horizontally, and you know they've, they've made a way for... Uh, guests and visitors to walk around. It's just, it's gigantic. And, and you look at these huge solid rocket boosters and you get a sense of, of the rocket power that it takes to launch a man or a woman into, into outer space. I also think of political power. <laughs> We've lived in the Washington, D.C. area for nearly a decade, and oh my, uh, this, this place just runs on political power or people who are trying to jockey their, themselves into some position to get you know, some, some measure of that political power. Yesterday afternoon, uh, I took a little walk along the oceanfront here in Virginia Beach. 
And thankfully, we dodged a hurricane. But, oh, have you seen some of the waves down there? I got a sense of oceanic power. I mean, those strong waves pounding against the shoreline. It reminded me of Psalm chapter 89 and verse 9. It says of the Lord, you rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed winds and waves. But none of that describes the, the power that Jesus has. Jesus has what I would call inherent power. He just speaks his name and a whole battalion of Roman soldiers falls down. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Power of I Am. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 digital library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, they include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles in Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, what I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. 
Now, that's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, my hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now with the second half of today's message, The Power of I Am, here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Here's another reason that he's still the great I am or still the one and only. He's not only eternally self-existent, he's powerful beyond measure, but what I see in this name is somebody who is completely secure in his identity. Completely secure in his identity. Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection of life. He doesn't say, I, I hope to be the bread of life. I really, really want to be the bread of life. If I really work hard and, and, and dedicate myself to it, I might one day become a good shepherd. Now, there's no ambiguity in his identity. He knows who he is, why he is here, the purpose for which the Father has sent him. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am, and there are seven statements that he makes there. And it makes me I kind of look inside my own heart a little bit. And as I was preparing this week, I, I jotted down this little question for myself. If Jesus is the great I am, then who am I? Who am I? Why Jesus may be one of the great questions of our generation, right? Why Jesus and not this? Why Jesus and not some other belief system or value system or religious leader? But the question of the ages for human beings like you and me is, who am I and why am I here? And I want to suggest to you that over the next seven weeks as we dive into each one of these I am statements, we're going to be almost looking into a mirror of sorts because they'll reflect back to us something about who we are. As you get to know the great I am, you'll, you'll, you'll travel further down the road toward understanding who you are, who I am, and why we are here. Some of you remember um, back in, I believe it was the 1992 presidential election, Ross Perot, a, a Texas billionaire and businessman, ran for president. And he was a political outsider, probably before his time, because we've got a lot of political outsiders today that are gaining ground. But Perot was one of the early political outsiders, actually formed a third party, if you remember that. And he, he chose a rather interesting person for his vice presidential running mate, a guy named Vice Admiral James Stockdale. You're saying, who is that? And that's what everybody was saying back in 1992. Who is this guy? Well, Perot knew him to be uh, a great American hero and a, and a Vietnam War veteran, very decorated, Vice Admiral James Stockdale. Well, at the first vice presidential debate, he was a little bit out of his element because on the right side was uh, a seasoned politician named Al Gore, and on the left side was a seasoned politician named Dan Quayle, and the three of them were debating from the vice presidential nomination position. 
And the other two introduced themselves in a very polished kind of way. When it came time for uh, Admiral Stockdale to introduce himself, he rather awkwardly asked a philosophical question. Who am I and why am I here, he said. And all the political pundits were saying, yeah, that's exactly what we're wondering. Who are you and why are you here? And if you know anything about that debate, um, it kind of went downhill from there for Admiral Stockdale. But a great American hero. And he later came back and he said he started that way uh, to uh, indicate to people that at the core he was a philosopher. Okay, well, Jesus is not a philosopher. He's not a political figure. But the fact that he, he is the great I am begs the question, if we just reverse it a little bit, who am I and why am I here? There's no ambiguity in Jesus' identity, but let's be honest, friends, we, we live most of our lives with, with some identity issues, don't we? Just trying to figure out who we are, why we are here. And there are two basic identity traps that you, people like you and me will fall into. One is the comparison game. You know, we don't know who we are, we're not quite sure why we are here, so we compare ourselves to one another. The Apostle Paul addressed this in his letter to the second, uh, second letter to the Corinthians. He was defending his ministry against people who were comparing him to other preachers and religious leaders of that time. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. In other words, Paul says, I'm not going to get engaged in the comparison game with you. That's an identity trap. The other trap is, is copying. You know, just you don't know who you are or why you're here, but, but you look around and you just try to copy what somebody else is doing. Rather than understanding that as a human being created in the image of God, every one of us, listen to this, every one of us is an original we got too many Xerox people in the world today trying to copy what somebody else is doing. Friend, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I am an original, because you are. Just do that right now. Turn to your neighbor and say that. <laughs> and I hope amidst some of the giggles and laughter, you can say that in a meaningful way. I am an original. I was wrestling with this, this whole idea. If Jesus is the great I am, who am I? Just, just for my own self. And I, and I wrote down some words that became a personal declaration for me. Let me share them with you this morning. I am a child of God. I am a sinner who needs a Savior. I am being changed into the image of Christ every day. I am who I am by the grace of the great I am. If you want to know who Ron Jones is, that, that's a pretty good summation of who I am. That's my declaration. And I'd like for it to be our declaration throughout this series. Can, can you say it with me? Let's just practice together. I am a child of God. I am a sinner who needs a Savior. I am being changed into the image of Christ every day. I am who I am by the grace of the great I am. If those are just mere words for you right now and they don't really reflect who, who you are deep down inside in your heart as a reflection of your relationship with Christ, my prayer is that by the end of today or by the end of this series, you, you can say that with deep meaning. Maybe add to some of it yourself, but, but as we get to know this great I am, we're going to get to know ourselves better as well.
And that brings me to the fourth reason he is still the one and only. Before we get to the seven reasons, all right? And that's because Jesus, who is the great I am, friends, he is uniquely qualified to satisfy our deepest needs, uniquely qualified to do so. Nobody else can do this. And this brings us to the seven I am statements. And let me just kind of give you an overview of where we're going. Jesus said to the spiritually hungry, I am the bread of life. Jesus said to people walking in darkness, I am the light of the world. He said to people who need direction, I am the door of the sheep. He said to people needing protection, I am the good shepherd. He said to people who fear death, anybody fear death here this morning? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said to people who want the free gift of eternal life, he dared to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And then for anybody who wants to experience intimacy with the Almighty, he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is uniquely, uniquely qualified, friends, to satisfy every one of our needs. I can't commend him to you any better than this. He is eternally self-existent. He is powerful beyond measure. He's completely secure in his identity. And he's uniquely qualified to satisfy our every needs. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, The Power of I Am. And I'm pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones to the studio. Ron, one of the things God does for us is help us discover who we are and why we're here. With that in mind, what are some practical steps we can take to avoid the two identity traps you talked about in today's message, comparing ourselves to others or copying other people instead of finding out who we were created to be? Uh, That's a great question, Brian. Let me start by saying that having good role models is healthy, and certainly we want to learn things from our parents, our Christian friends, uh, a pastor, even a mentor, uh, to watch them and learn from them, and in some cases, even mimic them. So it's helpful to go to the ones who raised us, who, who taught us, and even befriended us along the way. But in order to truly discover who we are and why we are here, we ultimately have to go to the one who created us. God knows us intimately, far better than anyone else, and He's known us far longer than anyone else. Before the foundation of the world, in fact, He had plans for our lives, uh, things for us to do. So if we really want to know who we are and if we really want to know our purpose for being here, uh, what many of us need is a shift in focus from those around us to the one above us, a change in direction from the lateral to the vertical. Uh, Spend time in prayer, asking God to reveal who He has created you to be. Uh, Devote yourself to the study of His Word to discover what it says, uh, not only about who you are, but more importantly about who you are in Christ. And when we begin to search the mind and heart of God for our identity, uh, we'll be far less likely to fall into the traps of comparison and copying Because as he reveals to us our identity in Christ and as he reveals our specific unique purpose for being here, we will know in our spirit that the revelation is true. And friends, that truth will set us free. As Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, Before I formed you in the womb, 
I knew you. Thanks so much for that great word, Ron. Well, we're about out of time for today, so let's talk for just a moment about tomorrow. What's in store as you continue your series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. You know, Brian, when Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness, Satan's first temptation was to offer him food. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a fascinating statement for many reasons. And if you remember, Jesus himself is the word become flesh. He also refers to himself as the bread of life. Uh, So in these many statements, what Jesus is telling us over and over again is that he and God the Father are the same person. He is the word become flesh and the word like bread is what gives life. So tomorrow's message is really a great reminder to us that Jesus is our sustenance. We might say he is our daily manna. Join us then for something good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, the bread of life. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.